So again, we're asked, answering the question, does this burger taste good? And of course, he's basing it on the sizzle uh, under the grill and it's acting like a regular burger. I've been told when you go through these drive drive through Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger, it takes a little bit longer to cook them than traditional burgers. Hey everyone, Dr. Nick Delgado here, and I am reviewing Feeding Bill Gates a Plant-Based Burger to Save the World, the Richest Man in the World. Let's see what he has to say. That's Let's me, that's the richest man in the world, and that's the burger I just made him. But there's a catch. The patty in that burger is made from this stuff. And the reason I can eat it raw is it's made entirely from plants. As you guys know, every year I dedicate one of my 12 videos to showcase how clever people are using science and technology to change the world for the better. So for example, two years ago was a paper centrifuge microscope that could diagnose malaria for 51 cents versus $10,000 for traditional equipment. And then last year was a magical powder that helps poorer countries turn contaminated muddy water into clear drinking water. That's also when I first met Bill and he earned my forever respect after I microwaved up some pizza rolls for him and he ate them like a champ. I've been so what we're doing is an experiment that you're going to find quite interesting because right now the world is looking at how do we feed the world the ever-growing population and more importantly will people buy into the taste of plant-based veggie burgers so let's continue on with this uh, interesting revelation loosely following the progress of plant-based meat for a couple years now and allegedly it looks and tastes like meat yet it's made from plants now at the top of this video i feel like i should start with a confession i eat meat like kind of a lot i've had some form of meat at pretty much every meal since i was a kid my favorite genre of food is barbecue and so be that as it may as a firm believer in the scientific method i feel like it's time for me just to really buckle down and get to the bottom of this plant-based meat thing so that's good because we're now getting to the bottom of this, what he calls plant-based meat thing, because the reality is that the more people that move towards whole plant-based eating, the better we are. Now, I'm the first to say that many of these plant-based burgers may be too high in added fat, but they're trying to match the Western palate, what you're used to eating. But let's, let's pay attention because at least if you go plant-based, you've let go of certain hormones, you've let go of the cholesterol content that could clog the arteries, but you still have the excess fat, depending on how much of the plant-based based burger you eat, you can at least uh, minimize the risk of hypertension, uh, breast cancer, and uh, diabetes, which are related to the fat, not just the cholesterol. So let's let's uh, go continue with this. And so today on my quest for answers, I'm looking at three main questions. Number one, how does it taste? And not just that, but how does it look and feel and smell? How successfully does it trick my brain into thinking this is real meat? Number two, is it good for me? If it does trick my brain, what the heck is in it? Is it just some kind of like lab chemical concoction? And also how does it compare to like the protein from a real burger? And number three, is it good for the planet? And on this one, I have a hunch that it is, but is it like, meh, that's a little better? Or is it like a hundred times better? Now I should... 
Okay, so the question is, is it good for you? Does it taste good? And is it good for the planet? Great questions. I wish every entrepreneur and every company owner would ask those questions. And of course, you know, the person that they're interviewing right now, I have some serious questions about some other uh, endeavors he has. But right now, this is dear to my heart about plant-based eating. And this particular uh, gentleman here, uh, Mark uh, Rover, I believe, gets millions of views because he does a good job in producing his videos. So uh, let's let's go further. I'm liking this so far. And say a big motivation for me and something I think even my fellow meat eaters could agree on is that the concept of factory farms isn't great. The whole cows that have never seen a blade of grass thing and pigs which by most accounts are smarter than dogs that live their entire lives indoors on crowded concrete. These factories are efficient. They're optimized for driving down costs, not for animal well-being. And I'm not trying to be a downer, it's just something I don't like to think about when I'm eating my In-N-Out burger or Chick-fil-A. And it's a lame excuse, but I feel like I sort of never have had a good alternative option. I mean, historically, this is a veggie burger, and nothing about this works as a burger for me. But in recent years, the strategy shifted to target people exactly like me, basically try to make it as close to real meat as possible, which reduces friction for trying a plant-based option. So their goal is, if I'm going meatless at the summer barbecue, Instead of a quinoa salad, I can still enjoy the full experience of a burger with my friends. And so on that note, let's get right into question number one. Throw this puppy on the grill. Sizzle. Definitely sounds like a burger and even smells like it. And you're getting like the fat dripping down, which is causing the flames to come up. So, so far the experience feels pretty analogous to just grilling a burger. So again, we're asked, answering the question, does this burger taste good? And of course, he's basing it on the sizzle uh, under the grill, and it's acting like a regular burger. I've been told when you go to these drive drive through Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger, it takes a little bit longer to cook them than traditional burgers. And I've sampled these burgers, and they actually do taste good in my opinion. Again, the question is, how healthy are, are they? And what I'm going to do is defer to blood analysis, which I've been doing based on my book, Blood Doesn't Lie. And uh, you're going to get a much better idea of what is going on with your circulation when you study my book, Blood Doesn't Lie, which is on special during the holidays. Check it out on Amazon and acclaimed by some of the top anti-aging doctors in the world so uh there you are we're, we're going to be able to answer this question far better is it good for you and uh, that if you please stay tuned to the coming segment i'm going to have people eat uh, a plant-based burger uh, and first do their baseline for lipids, cholesterol, triglycerides, glucose, and then we're going to show you on the TV screen exactly what their blood, this is an actual sample of blood, by the way, in very clean blood. It happens to be mine. I've let it sit on the screen for a couple hours. I had a few errands to do, but you can see the red blood cells. There's a white blood cell kind of disappearing, but the background is very clear. And if I magnify it even higher, which we will in the coming segments, you'll get a good sense um, of how this experiment can truly shed a light of is this good for you so let's go further because we're, we're simply answering the question does it taste good 
And I also want to tell you that my Simply Healthy cookbook, where we collected recipes from all over the world, over 240 recipes, different cuisines, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, desserts, all the ideas, really, this is going to take you to the next level. And yes, we do have some plant-based burgers that you can make as well. So let's let's jump back into the show and uh, see what we're going to find out from this uh, revelation. And uh, the theory is, is this good for for you first we're going by taste when i look the fork it definitely tastes like there was meat on this fork all right this cuts and feels exactly like a real burger but before i officially taste it i kind of want to know exactly what's in there and to do that i'm going to fly out to the two companies who are the leader in this space beyond meat and impossible foods at beyond meat the first thing they showed me were the labs where they do all their research are these actual are these actors or these are real scientists these are scientists yeah <laughs> this feels like jurassic park you know where they're like giving you the tour and yeah and right out of the gate they put my mind at ease and showed me a tray of all the the main stuff that makes up their burgers. Apparently they work on not just the taste, but they have teams of researchers working on the texture, color, the smell, the grilling sound, even the same amount of calories and protein as a meat burger. Their goal is to make it as frictionless as possible for people like me to make the switch. So they have these for the color, coconut and sunflower oil for the fat so it sizzles on the grill, potatoes for carbohydrates, and then these for the protein, the majority coming from yellow peas. These burgers are better for you because they have no cholesterol, but they do have saturated fat from the coconut oil, so you shouldn't think of this as healthy as like a plain salad with no dressing. After getting the full tour, I was feeling pretty good, so it was time for the real test in the kitchen. Okay, he did mention it has coconut oil. I'm not a fan of coconut oil. If used in reasonable small quantities, although it is, quote, a saturated fat, there was a conclusive study where they looked at islanders who were eating large amounts of coconut. They were plant-based individuals. They were free of cardiovascular disease. So the plant-based foods themselves, so long as it came from the whole coconut, did not cause cardiovascular disease. The real question is, would coconut oil increase the risk of cardiovascular disease? And I believe when you look at my blood analysis studies we're going to do a challenge with coconut oil versus olive oil uh, my famous video how to become diabetic in six hours i used olive oil because everyone is enamored with olive oil but lately there's a big surgence right now for coconut oil pushing mct oils which is a derivative of coconut oil the short chain fatty acids but we'll get back to that but let's stay back on track i don't want to lose where we're at uh, about the whole idea does it taste good intentionally kept my taste buds virgin okay great i, I haven't tasted it and I, I had opportunities but like no i want to wait no pressure but next week i'm going to meet bill gates yeah and i have to cook for him you're like a professional chef right i, I am in the next like 20 minutes you need to transfer all that knowledge from your brain into mine okay we started with their italian sausage made of course just from plants and chef chris showed me some power moves to impress bill with on the grill i'm so scared cheers okay cheers even putting flavor aside, I think Bill will be okay with a little bit of a juice. There's no way I would have guessed I wasn't actually eating real meat. That's pretty good. Cheers. Cheers. That's really good. I need one more taste. It's freaking good. Thank you. Next up was their burger. Which it turns out was equally amazing. Genuinely, when you can surround it with burger stuff, it's really hard to tell. There's like, no way to tell. My next trip was to Impossible Foods, and they actually. 
Okay, so they're saying that this Impossible Burger tastes really good, um, very similar to what you normally get when you eat a burger. That's quite an accomplishment. Now uh, they're at the next uh, laboratory facilities, and uh, they're looking at this uh, question of uh, the Impossible Burger. So let's, let's get uh, back on track with that. Okay, here we go. So let me make a burger myself just from the ingredients in these bowls. So the first thing that we're gonna do is add the water to okay. the soy protein, and then we're gonna add the potato protein. Okay. So the next thing we're gonna put in is our magic ingredient, which do you know what this is? It, uh, red number five. <laughs> <It's just food. laughs> so this is our magic ingredient. It's called heme, which is short for hemoglobin. Heme is responsible for making meat taste like meat. That's found in every living plant and animal. You can get heme from soy plants. I see. Um, you don't have to get it from animals. Next, we added the cellulose-based culinary binder to hold everything together. And then finally, the coconut and sunflower oils. Do you Have you done any pastry work in your life? Oh, tons of okay. pastry. You're gonna like fold oh. and smush. <laughs> All my pastry work's shining through. You literally just made the Impossible Burger yourself. Like five, five little cups. Five, five bowls, yeah. One of them was water. One of them was water. So now I think it's time to cook one of these up. 96% of the folks who are ordering our product are self-identified meat eaters. I'm definitely your target demo. I grew up like if the meal didn't have meat in it, it wasn't a meal. When it delivers in that same characteristic that meat does, it really proves the point that we're providing a no compromises alternative for, right. for those meat eaters out there to right. make a different choice. This raised an interesting point. Meat has been cleverly marketed with being a real man because real men need their protein. That's what a man eats. Made from stuff guys need. Eat like a man. But the truth is, even meat eaters like me get roughly half their protein a day from plants by eating things that contain some kind of beans, peas, nuts, or whole grains like corn, rice, and oats. In fact, many high-performance athletes are switching to a plant-based diet because studies have shown it can help reduce measures of inflammation by almost 30% in just three weeks, and inflammation makes it harder to recover after a workout. So if a plant-based diet is good enough for Arnold Schwarzenegger, Kyrie Irving, Lewis Hamilton, Venus and Serena Williams, Nate Diaz, and a growing butt-ton of others, it's probably good enough for me and my weekly rec league soccer game so think about it you've got this massive amount of marketing you've got individuals clamoring to get media attention and learn about how to eat healthy but the real question is what will happen when you eat say one or two impossible burgers on your blood levels your blood lipids and you see it's not enough just to eat a burger and then check your levels fasting the next morning what i'm going to do if you want me to is put it to the test after a couple hours you know like intervals of every two three hours uh after consuming first the impossible burger then the beyond burger if you want to see that experiment that's going to really tell us the truth of is this good for you so i want you to be prepared because we're going to do these experiments i have the microscope here in my laboratory and of course they're just basing it on what just a bunch of athletes are jumping in which is good don't get me wrong but i want to make sure we're going the right direction right so let's uh let's go further here and uh <laughs> talk about what it is that we need to do here to eat healthier and well you can ultimately utilize this in any way you would use traditional ground beef. So tacos, lasagna, meatballs. You name it. It's so good. 
This is a plant-based burger, and look at the mess I'm making. So obviously, I thought their burgers were also really good, but I felt like I wanted a larger sample size before I felt truly confident feeding Bill. So I invited some friends to a local restaurant that serves Impossible Burgers. And the thing is, you can't always trust adults because they might just change their answer to be nice. This is really good. Kids, on the other hand, are brutally honest. So we ordered them plant-based burgers too, but might have neglected to mention it to them beforehand. What do you think? It's really good. There's no meat in that burger. This is the part I like. They have kids testing out these burgers. And I really like this because kids are the toughest critic. They're very honest. They tell the truth. It's just like when I've done my series with Chef Roman, my son, who's now turned 12, but I go back to when he was six years old and I would test different products, you know, based on my cookbook and uh, my uh, journey. You know, I want you to know a little bit more about me. Dr. Lester Morrison wrote an early version in the 1980s that actually excited this man, Nathan Pritikin, to write the Pritikin program for diet and exercise. His first book was Live Longer Now. All his books are fantastic, as well as John McDougall, who's written his books, uh, the McDougall program, a fantastic program. I've had him on my talk shows, plant-based, oil-free, sugar-free, which is really the healthiest way to go. That's why it'd be great if we can get a burger that's made without the added oils and fats. I don't have an issue uh, so much with that they're using soy-based or uh, uh, split pea-based burgers or they're using uh, quinoa, they're using heme. These things are relatively okay. It's the quantity uh, that we're really looking at. But what I want you to be aware of is uh, people like Lee Haney wrote the book Fit at Any Age, world-class Olympian talking about really you don't need as much protein as people think. And he won the Mr. Olympiad eight times in a row. Or just think the, the fact that uh, James Anderson, world-renowned endocrinologist, uh, was enamored by Nathan Pritikin's work. So it starts with someone talking about it and getting you enthusiastic. But let's go back to these kids. This is where it's really at. And I, I'm thrilled to show this to you. Watch their reactions. And so feeling more confident than ever, it was time to visit Bill, put my culinary skills to the test, and see if he could... Okay, so what did we answer? The kids like the taste. When they were told it was plant-based, they got a little squeamish and, and they didn't believe it because it tasted so good. Impossible Burger and Beyond Burger. Those are the two big competitors out. Although I like to go to some of the health food stores where they actually make black bean burgers. I think it's a much better choice. And then they can regulate the amount of oil. And clearly they don't use near the amount of oil as Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger. I'm going to read the nutritional analysis analysis when we actually do the blood analysis to show you the effect of consuming these uh, plant-based Impossible Burger and Beyond Burger. But right now, let's stay with the concept of, of what Bill Gates, Mr. Wealthy, has to say about it 
out of Seattle. Let me answer my final question. So I'm back in Bill's kitchen. He's gonna be here in an hour, and I need some groceries. Good to see How you again. You? So I've been working hard in your kitchen. Perfect. And I kind of wanted to talk to you about plant-based meat, and I thought maybe we could try them out as well. Sure. But as a control, I, I know you're a big fan of Dick's Burgers. So to kind of cleanse the palate, I thought we could just take right. a bite. That's the real thing. The real thing. As a non-Seattle native, I've got to say, I think this may be an acquired taste. Mm, yeah, you get used to a certain <laughs> burger. You get used Okay, so they've compared to Dick's Burger in Seattle. I haven't tried, nor would I want to, because I don't like to eat animal-based foods. But uh, it's interesting they're having Bill Gates compare the uh, Dick's Burger to the, uh, the version, I guess, Impossible or Beyond Burger. I'm not sure which one they're going to show, but let's check it out. Here we go. And so now it's time for my cooking. What do you think? It's quite good. I mean, that's light years away from what they used to make. Like the traditional veggie burger? Right. You know, the quality's gonna keep getting better. Mm -hmm. The, the plant-based guys are not done inundating. Eventually, they claim you won't be able to tell the difference. Next up was my killer bratwurst. Okay, so you saw, he said the plant-based burger tastes virtually as good as the Dick's animal-based burger. So they're getting past the taste test. Now they're jumping over to uh, trying out a, a few other items. So let, let's see what they have to say. Wow, well, that's pretty good. And at this point in my quest, I felt like I had a pretty good lock on questions one and two. So I asked him about number three. The agriculture sector is about 18% of overall emissions. Okay, so keep in mind, it, they're saying it passed the good taste. And where did they answer, is it good for you? They just based it on ingredients. They didn't do a test like a blood analysis. Uh, again, I'm the author of uh, Blood Doesn't Lie. And, and I have to say that without looking closely under the microscope at what's going on with the blood, uh, yeah, I was going to show you the book here from behind me, but uh, you really have to do put it to the test based on blood analysis within hours after eating, like one hour, a three-hour interval, and at six hours, and see what goes on with the blood chemistry, particularly lipids, cholesterol, triglycerides. Because let's face it, hamburgers are amongst the leading reason. Billions are sold. The Golden Arches, Carl's, all these different chains. They mentioned Dick's Burgers. I guess they're popular in Seattle. It's a big reason why the number one killer is not some virus. The number one killer in the world, especially in the Western world, is stroke, heart attack, diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. So when you think about it, this is the critical crux of whether you're going to live or die a miserable life or you're going to live a quality life these are the things that we need to answer so that's why we're doing this series let's let's get back uh to to the video here 
and uh, I, <laughs> I think you're going to find it pretty revealing. But his answer about the greenhouse coming up, let's talk about that, the greenhouse effect. But livestock is about half of that 18%. Wow. And almost all of that is beef. Is this like cow farts, cow burps? Slightly more burps than farts, okay. Uh, okay. but it's a mix it's a of mix. those two. Okay. Okay, in all fairness, they're talking about the greenhouse effect and burps and farts. That's not the biggest problem with the livestock in industry. It's the actual feces and urine that goes into the water table and is loading our planet with estrogen dominance. These estrogen byproducts end in to our eventual crops, our foods, our water, and I have a book that I'm working on right now, and it's going to be coming out real soon, called Estrogen Belly. That's right. These guys with big bellies, oftentimes, they are producing excess fat because estrogen retains fat, particularly in the belly area. They're ignoring that. And they're also ignoring the chemicals in these, if you will, hamburgers. Now, Apparently, the Beyond Burger and Impossible Burger have less chemicals. I've seen some articles about it, and we're going to, again, delve deeper into it. But let's finish this part because it's fascinating what he's saying about the greenhouse effect. To put that into perspective, that means that sector alone is responsible for more greenhouse gases than all the cars, trucks, trains, ships, and planes combined. Turns out it takes a lot of stuff to make a cow. Very inefficient, particularly beef, is almost eight to one. You use eight calories right. to feed that cow for every calorie of meat you get out because you're building bone and respiration for that cow. Now this was a really good point I hadn't fully considered. If you think about it, as humans, we're really solar powered. We eat plants, but they get their energy from the sun. Then you might be like, ah, we also eat animals though. But they get their energy from plants too, which again, get their energy from the sun. So when it comes to getting our energy from the sun, animals are an inefficient middleman. We That's a good point. Animals are an inefficient middleman. Because the sun and the crops, you know, the animals absorb the protein from the plants. But why not just get your protein directly from the plants? As I've advocated in, in my book, uh, Blood Doesn't Lie. And, uh, of course, also uh, the important work that I did in my Simply Healthy Cookbook. But more importantly, really heavily well journal referenced is my colleague and friend, uh, Michael Greger, How Not to Die, and now he's got a book, How Not to Diet. So I think the evidence is, is quite clear, and I'm in agreement uh, with Mark Rover here. Let's see what he has to say further about the energy expenditure. We eat on average 10% of our calories or energy in a day from meat. That might sound reasonable until you look at the amount of resources it takes to make that meat compared to the other 90%. If you combined all the land in the US dedicated to raising animals, you would get an area like this. And then plus this much more to grow the crops needed to feed those animals. Now remember, all of that is for the middleman, for 10% of our daily energy. Now compare that to the amount of land needed for crops we actually eat ourselves directly. That relatively small chunk of land is where the overwhelming majority of our personal energy comes from. And it's not just land resources, but water as well. To end up okay, so l let's be clear what the point is, and that is that the amount of cropland required to produce food for you directly from the direct crops from the land is much smaller than the amount of area that it takes to raise cattle, which still the cattle had to eat the plants, 
Where are they getting their energy from? And then you eat those animals. That point is well taken. Now he's looking at the water. He didn't mention about the water pollution, but the amount of actual water needed just to produce, uh, uh, you know, several million pounds of beef every day. With 24 hamburger patties, it requires the amount of water you see in this pool. That same amount of water could make 75 loaves of whole grain bread and 30 jars of peanut butter. So if I made myself a Wow. So 35 loaves of whole grain bread versus, uh, what did he say, about eight uh, burgers. So we're already really getting this, this clear. Let's, let's go further. This is good. Delicious peanut butter sandwich, which has nearly the identical amounts of both calories and proteins compared to this patty. And then I ate two a day. The meat would last me a little over a week, and the sandwiches would last me a little over a year. So that's the same amount of resources used, same amount of calories and protein to me per serving. One just lasted me a year longer because it's a much more efficient energy transfer method. This is Okay, so that's a great point. <laughs> the equivalent in the... I would probably do an almond butter and uh, uh, some fruit, such as fig, in, in, in the whole grain bread. That'll last a year. Your equivalent amount of protein and calories compared to only the equivalent of, of a few weeks in, in the animal protein. So uh, they've got it right there. That's a good point. That's why a plant-based diet is a way more efficient use of natural resources. We could feed an additional 3.5 billion people worldwide if all countries just ate the stuff they fed to animals. 3.5 billion extra people could be fed. In other words, I've been to countries where they're literally starving. So this is an amazing statistic, and it's probably fairly accurate. Here's why that fact matters. Particularly as people get richer, they tend to eat more meat. If we don't do anything, this sector will actually grow over time. So you're saying not just the fact that there's more people and a larger population, but as people move up towards the middle class, they want to consume more meat. And you can certainly see that this is true when you look at the amount of meat consumed over the past 50 years. Given the resources required, a trajectory for meat consumption like this is simply unsustainable. A few decades ago, meat was considered a luxury product, but now it's a commodity for a growing number of people. In fact, that's very true. As people acquire more wealth in a culture, they want to import meat and beef and chicken and eggs and, and cheese. But you think about it. It's the taxpayer money in the U.S. that subsidizes the, the development or the availability of hamburgers and steak and things because it would be so expensive if it wasn't subsidized. But that's our taxpayer money. And I have to say that if my taxpayer money is being spent to promote an industry that is one of the leading causes of cardiovascular disease, stroke, and heart attack. And when we get to the blood analysis, you'll see what I mean by that. But let, let's go further on their point that they're going. The demand is growing so much, it now makes sense for farmers in the Amazon just to burn it down and to turn that forest into grazing land for animals. We've irreversibly lost 20% of the Amazon so far. And that's a double gut punch, because now not only is that more cow farts adding to climate change, but when you burn those trees, all the carbon stored inside them goes back into the atmosphere as the greenhouse gas CO2. Okay, so you've actually expended and created more CO2. Again, it's not just the cow farts and the cow burps. 
in the greenhouse effect, it's the pollution of all the massive amount of feces and urine. You know, I remember driving through Riverside County and there's this area along the, I guess it's the 215 North Freeway uh, going towards Las Vegas. The I guess it, it branches off to the 15 Freeway. And it, it, that particular city where they had a lot of cattle, it's the stench was unbelievable. The stink. And I wouldn't want to lived in that neighborhood. But the point is, that's part of the pollution. Uh, all these chemicals and toxins and things going into the environment. But let, let's go further with where they're at. One of the great tragedies about climate is that it's the poorest in the world, the farmers who live fairly near to the equator, that all this heat and flooding and droughts, they're going to suffer by far the most. If you're just trying to get people to cut back, don't eat meat, don't drive to work, uh, don't take trips. It's such a dramatic set of sacrifices that everybody has to engage in that without innovation, we're probably gonna go way past the two degrees. And that last part is the silver lining. Plant-based meat is the exact kind of innovation Bill's referring to here. And I'm optimistic because as the demand for plant-based meats goes up, the price will come down much lower than actual meat. So then not only will the experience be identical to eating meat, but it's better for you, better for animals, and much better for the planet. Oh, and it also costs half as much. It just becomes a really easy decision for people to switch in massive numbers. All right, so what does this all mean? Now that I've Okay, so it, it all makes so much sense now. Uh, the taste of these veggie burgers will improve. I would lend that we're best off making healthier veggie burgers, and there's ways to do it. It's going to take a little bit more effort and a little bit of a change in the palate, but when you use more spices and flavors and garlic and just, you know, chilies, different things, those savior spices are going to make up the difference because the oil isn't what gives it its taste. It just gives it its texture. So you're going to have to deal a little bit with some improvements in texture and there's ways to do that. So is it good for me? That is going to be important when we make these shifts towards healthier plant-based burgers. And, uh, and, and again, the only way we're going to know is based on these blood tests and laboratory tests, which is the best way to determine it because you can't wait 20, 30, 40 years for people who have strokes, heart attacks, and cancer and diabetes. We have to solve this problem right away because it's, it's the leading killer. There is nothing that kills more people than what we eat because we have control over what we eat. So it's better to prepare based on uh, our oil-free, sugar-free, plant-based, tasty recipes that you can get going now. And someday, I hope, They'll use some of the recipes that are right from our Simply Healthy cookbook, and uh, that will make a huge difference, of course. And is it good for the planet? I don't, I don't think there's any denying answers, it. Where do I stand? And I'll say it still makes me really uncomfortable to think about these factory farms or the Amazon being burned down to make room for more cows. But at the same time, I can't really blame these poor remote farmers who know nothing about what a greenhouse gas is for just trying to feed their family. As long as the demand for meat continues to grow, there will be an incentive to be not cool to our mutual friend, Mother Earth. So the most effective thing we can do is try and reduce that demand. So after all this, I'm not a vegan. I'm not even strictly on a plant-based diet, but I have reduced the amount of meat I consume by more than half, and I feel great.
Importantly, I broke it from that weird mindset that for it to be considered a true meal, it has to have some form of meat. So if any part of this video rang true to you, I would say don't take my word for it, try it for yourself. You can find plant-based meat options in thousands of restaurants and even at Burger King and Carl's Jr. Most grocery stores have a whole section dedicated to them so you can substitute it into your favorite home-cooked meal. And remember, it doesn't have to be binary, like you either eat no meat or you're freaking Ron Swanson. If a bunch of people did Meatless Monday, for example, that would have a huge impact on demand. Some I like that. Meatless Monday. Meatless Monday. Let's do it. Start now. And then you can go meatless more meals. You know, I do drive-through bean burritos. I tell them leave off the cheese, leave off the meat, uh, put some extra maybe rice, lettuce, tomato, some guacamole. There's all kinds of things you can do when you go to restaurants. Now, granted, it's not as good as if you follow my recipe book, uh, oil-free, sugar-free, and plant-based whole cooking. But it's a step in the right direction. And we can't change that people are doing drive-thrus. But there's even a place called Planet Power drive-thru up the street. And they're making their own black bean burgers, not necessarily based on soy. And I really like that option better. And again, these recipes are influenced by supply and demand. We can supply it. We just have to be clear about the demand. Some of the challenges we face globally can feel pretty daunting. And so I love seeing clever people innovating on the front lines, trying to make it as easy as possible for the rest of us to make the right choices. It gives me hope about our future here together and inspires me to want to do my part. I want to thank Bill and Melinda Gates for partnering. So I think you've got it, guys. It's important to know that we can make a difference as a culture and even during my lifetime, I'm a little bit surprised that it didn't occur sooner. Since we've known, since the early 1970s, uh, even back to, as I mentioned, when uh, Dr. James Anderson, Dr. Lester Morrison wrote these landmark books about Heart Savior Program. And, uh, and again, these books, these books are fantastic. And they were accurate, and they were scientific. And the only thing that, that's changed is we have more of the evidence to support the work of these books. This one was copyright, oh my gosh, 1983. Uh, what? Almost 30 years ago, right? Uh, I've been doing this for 44 years. So this is Dr. Nick Delgado saying, be strong, be well. Please check out nickdelgado.com. And we have a lot of exciting new things. Hear me on podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. Look up Beyond Human, Nick Delgado. And more importantly, enjoy these holidays and check out my newest book, Blood Doesn't Lie. We have a special going on today. Uh, sorry about the interruption of the stream. I think it had something to do with the licensing music that was in the background. But uh, at least you got the voice going through. And if the video didn't come through, I'm here with you. Take care. Loving you all during these holidays. Yes, the holidays are upon us, and we have some incredible specials coming up for Black Friday. And meanwhile, because you're one of our dedicated podcast listeners, you have an opportunity to use the code from Nick. Go to our website, estroblock.com, use that code at checkout, and you'll get an additional 10% off the incredible discounts that are coming out now at estroblock.com for Black Friday. Get in early on these special discounts while they last. Go to estherblock.com 
and just use the code at checkout from Nick and you'll get an added 10% off the already incredible discounts that we are offering for this incredible holiday specials. 